Friday edition of Smith and Jones right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you as we roll into the weekend. And the Toronto Raptors get set for their next tilt tomorrow against the Golden State Warriors, a game that was supposed to happen last night between the Raptors and Bulls. Of course, didn't go off because of COVID. Uh, the outbreak on the Bulls roster uh, earlier in the week and, and even kind of into late last week as well. And the Bulls trying to get themselves back on track and healthy and hopefully in time to play a, at least a, a, a game or two before the holidays roll around and one of the games scheduled for Christmas as well. And looking ahead to the new year, and uh, I, I definitely don't want to start on a on a sour note, but all I will say, folks, is just try to continue to be as safe as possible, as diligent as possible, because uh, the numbers continue to rise, and we're obviously trying to navigate thing, through things uh, in our everyday lives, let alone what the professional sports world is going through as well. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be something that I think we're going to be talking a lot about and hearing a lot about, not just in the NBA, but, of course, in the National Hockey League, the NFL as well. Uh, the NFL game last night, um, you know, a, a thriller, an absolute thriller between the Chargers and the Chiefs, but uh, major issues across the National Football League rolling into this weekend as well. And I know that's impacting people with, you know, fantasy lineups and, and the, the gambling side of things and everything else. And that's that's like the least of concerns uh, when we just speak about the, the health and safety of the players. And, of course, all of you, anybody that's listening uh, out there right now as well. Um, putting that aside for now, it's probably going to be a theme of some of our conversations because it is a theme and a talking point going forward. Uh, let's look at some of the games themselves and talk about the actual action on the floor. And last night, the Brooklyn Nets continued to roll. They did it to the Toronto Raptors uh, two nights ago, and last night they did it to the Philadelphia 76ers as well. As Philly, they've had their own issues up and down the season and dealing with injuries and COVID and other things as well. Uh, but even with Joel Embiid in the lineup and Tobias Harris and you know Seth Curry, Danny Green, etc., uh, the Philadelphia 76ers lose to the Brooklyn Nets and that young crew where you've got guys that have barely seen the floor this season that were thrust into action and thrust into primary roles against the Raptors and now the Sixers. Brooklyn does it again. Kevin Durant falling two assists shy of the triple-double, but he had a team-high, game-high, 34 points, and another huge performance from Claxton. Nick Claxton in the middle, the young big man. Uh, David Duke Jr. struggling, uh, but still in the starting lineup. Uh, And then off the bench, Thomas. Edwards, Sharp, uh, they did get one extra body back with Langston Galloway, a recent signing for the uh, the Nets. Um, so Brooklyn continues to do their damage in spite of having seven players sidelined due to the health and safety protocols. And uh, a big win for them as they still sit atop the Eastern Conference. And they're starting to put a little bit of space between them and the rest as well. Now two and a half on top of the Milwaukee Bucks as Brooklyn sits at 21-8. and eight. And Milwaukee to me is an interesting story as well because you think about how um, how much they struggled at the beginning of the season. And they've really turned it around in a big-time hurry, Jonesy. I mean, this was one of those teams, and we said it would happen. I mean, anybody worth their weight that knows basketball knew they would turn it around at some point. But I guess it just speaks to chemistry and cohesion and allowing teams to figure things out. And, you know, you just need that one little streak, and, and suddenly it, it can kind of flip the switch on things. And you look at the Bucks now. Remember, they were out of the playoffs. Now, granted, we're talking in the first 10 games or so of the season, but here we are now at the 30-game mark for the Bucks, and they're dealing with COVID as well, as it seems like everybody is. 19 and 11 now, and 7-3 and three over their last 10. 
you know, they've got, they're undefeated against the division, but I don't know if that necessarily matters because the divisions don't really matter a whole lot anymore. But 14-8 against the conference, 10-4 uh, at home. They certainly look every bit the part of a defending champion. But I don't know if that they felt that without Kyrie Irving and now without Harden that they'd be looking up at the Nets to the extent that they are right now. The Nets have been great. And, and to your point, Eric, about uh, the Bucks. I just think it takes a while sometime when you've won a championship to 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 exhale. You know, you're taking it all in. You're still kind of reveling in the championship. And other people are, well, good. You've done it. We've already started looking for another one. And I, 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 this, really, this really hit me the summer that the Raptors won the championship. And uh, I was in Vegas for Summer League. Like, it was June. We had the parade. We're now, you know, a month later, the middle of July, and nobody cares. Like, nobody cares. Uh, you know, my, you know, Toronto people were at Summer League wearing championship gear around, and everybody looked at them like, well, that's, that's a month old. That's, that's last year's news. Like, we're, we're already focused on next year and what's going on. And, you know, the Bucks kind of saw a little bit of that, especially with, especially with what's, you know, the way it happened last year. There was a very yeah. short time, short layoff time in between, um, and, and away we went. Uh, but they're, they're too good a team to, you know, kind of get stuck like that. So, uh, and, and as for the Nets, it'd be interesting. You know, uh, we're going to see, going to get a chance to see Steph Curry play against the Raptors uh, on Saturday. And... You know, a lot of discussion right now about who the MVP is. And I'm telling you, we saw it the other night. Kevin Durant is pulling that team along. You know, that was only the fourth, uh, I believe, fourth 30-point game of Patty Mills' career. And he was really helpful. But that was just another 30-point night for Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, just, he, just keeps, he just keeps going, keeps doing his thing. And... I mean, you watch the games, you you kind of know what's coming. He's he's in that category now where uh, there's a predictability, and and you saw it with, um, you know, with a Michael Jordan, with a Kobe Bryant. He got the ball, and he he started a certain move, and you go, oh, here it comes. You know, he's driving down on the right side. He's driving on down the on the right side <laughs> on the baseline, and he's going to pull up from 12 feet and. Un- unless you have, uh, you know, a cherry picker or a crane, you're, you're not going to stop it. And, you know, Jordan was like that. Like I said, Kobe was like that. Kareem got the ball on the box and on, on the left box and and dribbled that ball with his right hand and leaned in with the left shoulder. And you go, oh, boy, here it comes. You know, as I said, it's it's like weather. You know it's coming. You just have to survive it and hope it's not that bad. And so Kevin Durant is, he's really pulling, dragging that Brooklyn team along right now. And, you know, like I said, we saw it. They won the other night with eight guys and some guys we've never heard of before. And it's all, it's all with his doing. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, they, they did it last night with those same unknown dudes as well. Uh, Again, they had one extra body in Langston Galloway, uh, but, but Cam Thomas and Kellen Edwards and, and David Duke Jr. Nick Claxton, they all, um, they all turned in solid performances last night. Do struggled a little bit, I suppose. Just two of seven, played 32 minutes. Edwards, who was the sharpshooter from distance the other night, just 
burning the Raptors time and time again with the three ball. He had nine. Uh, Cam Thomas had 11. Claxton in the middle, eight of nine for 17 points. I mean, it's 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 impressive. It's beyond impressive what they've done. Even Blake Griffin, Jonesy. Blake Griffin had barely seen the floor for, mm. what, eight, yeah. ten games prior to that tilt the other night against the Raptors. He steps in and, I mean, looks every bit the part as he should as a veteran, but why wasn't he playing before then if he plays this well? And he plays a solid game against the Raptors and then last night has 17-9 and nine in the victory over the, over the Sixers and seeing a whole lot of time up front with Embiid and Harris and everybody else. I mean, and again, that was a healthy, for the most part, healthy uh, Philadelphia team. Maxie didn't play, but you had Green and Harris and Embiid and, and, and Milton and Curry. I mean, Thibel, like, yeah. I'm 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 really impressed with what the 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 Nets and I tell you as well and I, we kind of talked about this I think earlier in the week. How much credit should we be giving Steve Nash as well for what he's been able to do? Because you know we we discussed personalities yesterday and managing personalities and the relationships when we had Dick Vermeil on the show, the 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 you know the great football coach. But it of course applies to all sports and we talk about this all the time when it's uh, coming to superstar type players. And all-star players trying to hold the egos together, keep everybody happy, keep the keep the the, the team on track and focused, etc. And he certainly did it last year and came within a, a a toenail of being in the conference finals. And so let's see if the script is written any different if Kevin Durant hits that three instead of the two. And now here he is this year with even more chaos because of Kyrie and then COVID and everything else. And Nash keeping this thing together, and it helps when you got Kevin Durant, but keeping this thing together on the rails to be the number one team in the conference and now challenging for the number one record in the entire NBA as well. Yeah. Um, he gets a lot of credit. You know, people have – coaches will tell you as, as easy as it looks, like, oh, well, yeah, I could have won with, with Shaq and Kobe, or, yeah, you know, I, I could have won with LeBron and, and Wade and Bosh. It's not easy. It's hard to coach talent. It is. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to hold them accountable. It's hard to, uh, you know, massage the egos of other guys. Uh, and, and there were some greats that did it. You know, you, you look at what Spolster did in Miami. You look at what Phil Jackson did in two different places. There's, there's an art to it. There really is. And, you know, we always say this. It's not about X's and O's. It's about being a leader of people and getting people to buy into the common goal and negotiating and, and as I said, you know, satisfying egos. It's not easy. And I give Nash credit. But, but you know what? For Nash, that's the kind of player he was. He always got his teammates involved. And he would look for his scoring at times when the other guys weren't going or couldn't get it going. He'd keep getting them involved. And if they weren't going, it's like, okay. Let me get let me get a little scoring in here, and that's why, you know, we always we had this. I'm in a group chat with a bunch of my old buddies. Uh, you know, w- which record do you value more, Steph's uh, three point shooting record, or Russell Westbrook's triple double? And there were some great arguments. And you know, I, yeah, I'm afraid of the guy that can give you 40, that can give me 40, but I'm also afraid of that guy who will give me 22. And 13 assists, because now I got to worry about all these other dudes, not just him. And and so, you know, Nash was like that as a player. So I see his personality carrying over like that as a coach, and having guys involved and giving them confidence and trusting them. And I think he de- deserves a lot of credit for what's 
what's uh, you know what's happening in Brooklyn. He and Sean Marks. Okay, we don't have Kyrie Irving. Treat it like an injury. He's not here. Let's let's get after it another way. Yeah, I I think that's a great point, Jonesy. I mean, and and I think give the organization credit as well. And I don't mean this in in a negative context. It's it's not intended that way at all. But give them credit for for simply saying to Kyrie, listen, you you believe what you believe. Fine. We're not here to tell you otherwise, but we can't have that around right now because we can't have you in and out. So to, to have them have the stones to be able to say, you're not allowed to play in any home games? No, you know what? You're not allowed to play in any games then because we can't have you coming in and out of the lineup, on and off of the road, in and around our players, etc. That took stones to make that type of decision and to still say, yeah, hey, it might help that you can say, well, we still got Kevin Durant and James Harden, but you're taking out one of the premier players in the game, one of the best point guards in the league, and saying, it's okay, you stay home, we'll use you or bring you back when we think it's necessary, when it's safe to do so, when you're, we're able to. But in the meantime, see you later. Because they could have attempted to go the other way and had him come in and out and play just road games and whatever else. And how much of a distraction would that have been? And I'm sure that conversation is in the boardroom trying to weigh that. Man, how do we take out a guy, this guy's talent, or, or versus, versus maybe letting him play and is 50% of him better than 0% of him? That had to have been tough, and that took a lot of stones to, to ultimately come to that conclusion. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. He, um, like I said, uh, Sean Marks and, and uh, you know, Sean Marks and Steve Nash and, and everybody in that front office deserves credit for being together on the same page. And it really hasn't been an issue. Like, they've just kind of carried on without him, right? It's not like, oh, when's he coming back or if they had him or whatever. It's like... It's like a guy recovering from a, you know, from season-ending surgery or something. He's not here. We're not going to talk about it, and away we go. You know, it's, it's interesting you bring that up as well, Jonesy. How would you handle that? And I'm just looking philosophically here because uh, I was, I was, I was sitting back thinking about this as you were talking, and it, it made me think about um, not just the Raptors, but but every organization that seems to go through this these days. There's that fine line that a lot of clubs are walking now between giving out uh, no information too much information or being so vague that you really don't know what's happening and there's a part of me that that tries to look at this from from the the balance standpoint of hey if 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 it was me if i was on the training staff if i was the 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 director of sports science or i was the head trainer i'm the general manager the president the coach i don't want to tell the media what my guy's doing or when he might be back i don't want to give the competition any sense of any type of inside scoop on my guys a week away a day away a month away but at the same time, as professional sports has gotten into bed more and more and more with gambling and having to or needing to be uh, transparent with information. I mean, the National Football League is probably at the top of that list in terms of their transparency with, uh, you know, doubtful game time decisions, healthy playing, and now with the COVID protocol lists and everything else. It's, it's to me, going to be something that, and we've seen it already for years, but it's going to evolve more and more as I think sports gambling becomes more and more uh, entrenched, not just in, um, in the sports themselves, but even in the way that uh, sports stations, TV and radio, cover the team with the amount of gambling content. Uh, like I, I know it's huge for, for Sportsnet and for the fan as well. It's going to be something that is, is linked arm in arm, and I wonder if it's something that needs to become more of a transparent issue uh, in the NBA as well as we move forward, if they end up kind of going the model of the NFL. Okay, so, so as you just pointed out so, so eloquently, where do you draw the line? Yeah, I, I, I don't like, know. I, I know that former uh, Raptor head coach Dwayne Casey 
he would ask uh, he would be asked about um, about players and injuries at the morning shoot around, and he he didn't disclose anything. Well, we'll yep. see. We're not we're not sure, and that that just kind of kept everybody. You know, everybody on edge, everybody, you know, all the gamblers kind of at bay. And there are, in basketball, I think, you know, we should, this is probably a, a discussion for our, our guy, Cabby Cabral Richards. But basketball, one guy has a huge impact on the game. Like you think about it, you're probably playing only eight guys, maybe nine, maybe ten. And one guy can have a huge impact on the game, and and there are factors that you don't need to consider in basketball that you that you do in other places, like you know if you're if it's a gamble if you're betting on the Packers is it snowing in Green Bay is it cold, uh, you know if, if 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 you're betting on a game in Buffalo like what's the wind like <laughs> like what you know there's if in Cleveland or like what what do you what are you considering. Oh, it's raining like heavily in Miami. Like, you know, you don't need to worry about that in basketball. That's not that's not an issue. So, I I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a solution to that. I, I think it's the team has to be selfish and do what's best for them. And if they don't want to disclose who's playing, I mean, we've seen it, Eric. We've been standing in the hallway at Scotiabank Arena, you know, beside Coach X, and the official scorer comes up. And says, uh, "Can I have your starters?" And Coach X says, uh, "Do you have their starters?" And the official <laughs> scorer says, uh, "No, we don't." And Coach X says, "All right, go get their starters, and when I see who they are, I'll give you mine." Yeah. Or who blinks first? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or we've been—I I know I've been standing at the table right at, behind the seat where the official scorer sits, and the chair's empty, and the official scorer comes back, and I said. Do you have starters? And there's an eye roll like, oh, God, no, so-and-so is being difficult. Coach Y is being difficult. He doesn't have to give them till 45 minutes before, and it's like it's now 48 minutes before, so I'm going back in three minutes. You know, like, so I, I don't blame the teams for protecting themselves, and, and hey, man, they're trying to win. That's, that's, it, that's what it comes down to. This is not, this is not your, your Saturday YMCA run where, you change shifts after three minutes for every person, man. This is this is big business, and there are jobs and, and livelihoods at stake. So, hey, man, do what you need to do. Well, uh, a man that maybe knows that quite well, do what you need to do. He would do whatever it took uh, to, to get the W, uh, the type of guy that you want on your team. Uh, one of the greats, when we think back to the heyday of the Raptors, uh, and 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 a team that was was knocking on the door to to doing something real special, and they were fun to watch with Vince Carter and Dale Curry and Antonio Davis and Alvin Williams and the man that joins us on the line right now, of course former Nick and Bull as well and longtime NBA vet. Uh, we bring into the conversation Charles Oakley. Charles, appreciate the time today. How you doing? Good morning. How y'all guys doing? Doing great. Hey Charles, uh, and, and I. Yeah, Oak. It's great to talk yeah. to you. And I, I want to mention as well, we're gonna we're gonna chat about a bunch of things over the course of the next ten minutes or so. Also, host of Chopping It Up with Oakley, and you can find episodes on Fox Soul TV. You can find it on YouTube. And and Charles, I I just want to look big picture for a second. We can talk basketball in a second, but you've got this new cooking show, which I think is fantastic. I think back to your old, the car wash days and everything else. The entrepreneur in you, the the man outside of basketball. Where did the bug hit you, or when did the bug hit you to say, you know what, 
I'm more than just a basketball player, and I want to be an impact in the community, in business, in so many other facets beyond just on the court. I mean, it hit me when I was a kid, being around my grand grandparents. That's my grandfather. How how he did so many different things and helped people, and you know, I was trying to advance in life and you know, uh, do the right thing and you know, make sure everybody was okay. So I learned I learned from him about giving back and being responsible about things and you know, uh, try things and you know, see how they work out and always be positive about what you're doing and. Uh, don't be a don't be a follower. Be a leader. So the leader, a lot of the leader, you know, relationship came from him, and just you know, I just kept I I just kept adding on as as you grow older, you know, add on things and just see what happened in life. So, Oak, speaking of adding on, uh, are are you still into the car washes? And and by the way, I want to come on the cooking show. I might I might not be a good interview. <laughs> But I can eat, bro. Right. I can eat. So when you uh, when you get it all chopped up, I'm ready to eat. Okay. <laughs> well, I can, well, you know, not that you know, yeah, the car wash and all that stuff still going. The cooking show was great. I think that I've been cooking for a long time. I think that when I played in Toronto, that was one thing I brought, I brought guys together. And once they knew that I could cook on a regular basis, so we just switch around. Like come on Monday nights or Thursday. Are we in town? We all. I always tell the guys I got a hot meal. Come over, you know, get the relationship for you know, get good, good chemistry. But not just that. When we used to travel, like go out the country, you know, we had to go through customers. So I always bring sandwich to the locker room or bring something that we can get grabbed at the practice to make sure the guys don't have to stop, be late for the plane. So it's all about just having you know, good face in your teammate and let them know, that, hey, I would do anything for my teammate. Longer we can just get some good chemistry and stay focused on what we're trying to do is win. And show the fans that, hey, we, we are, we're a brotherhood team that whenever you see one, you're going to see all. Hey, Oak, you sit there talking about leadership and the leadership you know, qualities that you exuded. You've played with so many greats. And I don't necessarily mean just the, just the, the greats of all time statistically. The characters, right. the, the men that you right. play with, the leaders as well. Who, for right. you, were some of the great leaders that you looked to as well, that you looked to, to be alongside and that, that guided you even as a young player in the league? Who are some of those leaders for you that you look back upon? Uh, when you were a kid, well, basically, when I was growing up, this and that, we know uh, basketball only came on like on Sunday. Didn't have come on like Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, all that. So, basically, you know, we didn't watch a lot of TV growing up. When you had a chance, you might have went to a game here and there. But leadership, like I said, started with my grandparents. And I uh, came up uh, from my, you know, high school uh, football coach, Sonny Harris, went to my uh, college coach, uh, you know, Dave Robinson, and just maybe a few people in the family watching them, how they operate and do things in life. Uh, they say you best always to look and see how, observe other people around you, see how they, you know, carry themselves and how they do things in life. And that's how I kind of grew up. But for us, just leadership, but for us, NBA players, when I got to the league, this and that, uh, my thing was I was so ready to be a leader at the point um, I didn't really look at no one else. I thought that I always did things right for being a player. You know, I didn't try to come in like knowing everything, but I knew right from wrong. And when you know right from wrong and you know you hold yourself accountable at all times on the floor, off the court, and showing that not getting in trouble, early for practice, late, stay late for practice, just always seem, show everybody you always want to work. And you show someone you always working, they got to believe in you. Oh, Eric and I were talking about, you know, the leadership coming from the coaching staff, too. And, you know, mm -hmm. you played for you played for Riley. 
right. you know, you played for a, an all-time great in Lenny Wilkins. Right. And and right. it was it's not easy sometimes to coach good talent. It it it's hard right. to put egos and stuff together. What did you notice right. from some of those guys cuz you were on some good teams with some real right. superstars and the coaches did a good job. Yeah. So basically, you know, back in 80s and 90s, for as coaches for us getting leadership um and all them guys, you know, coaches is funny. You know, I'm just being real. I'm always trying to be real with the situation. But some coaches don't lead. They find guys within the lead. And that's what Pat Riley did. You know, he's a great coach. He had all that. Magic Johnson, Kareem, James Weber. I think that Pat Riley had a different aspect of the game, how he did things uh, before they come to leader. You had to find someone on that team. I know that once he got there, you know, he called me and talked to me many times. Like when Butch he was in Toronto, they knew I had leadership skills. You know, it ain't always the best player guy who get 25, 30 points. Like in New York, Patrick was not a leader. You know, it was maybe me and some, maybe someone else, but he was down the line. But sometimes when you're going to point a person as a leader and he don't lead, that ain't good neither. I think that uh, the leader sometimes got to realize that he, it's a lot of responsibility. You know, you got to be a leadership, you know, you got to be a caliber, someone who can carry, carry that um, because guys, you know, it's one through, you know, 12, whatever, the training, the coaches. You got to be able to communicate with everybody, people off the court, press. And, you know, they give a lot of guys leadership skill because they, they name and they and they, because they average 20, 30 points. I don't believe in that. Because all the, like I said, you go to Baltimore, Ray Lewis was the lead over there. You know, we always try to give it to the quarterback. So my thing is just got to respect the person. And but the person, when you see he got leadership skill, let him do what he do. You know, some people, you know, like Barker, they say he's a leader, but Barker's you know, he's not a leader. So what, careful how you call people leaders. Speaking with Charles Oakley, Charles, it, based on everything you just said there, I think back to the Toronto days, and you, you, you correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I know he was a young guy. He might have had the most talent on the team, but Vince wasn't a leader, and part of the reason was, A, probably his personality, but also the fact right. that he had so many vets like you and Antonio and Muggsy and Dell around him that you guys could lead and allow him to do what he did. Right. Well, you know, Vince was just happy to be in Canada. He was happy to get drafted, and you know, he was just a happy-go-lucky kid. But Vince, you know, he said, "Come from Carolina, that you know, that's cool. That when you come here, the leadership is like when you walk into the room, the gym. You know, it's all about. It's always the hill. The, you know, you got to climb. So, climb. So sometimes it ain't nobody. It's just the, the spirit in the school and what the school have. You know, done over the years and who've been there." So you got to build yourself up, like, I want to do this, I want to do that. So it's just like getting in line, you know, getting in line to get to your sandwich, getting in line to get your car wash. But sometimes you can say, before I got to Toronto, I heard about how bad it was with the guys on the team. Everybody, one, one guy went this way, one guy went this five went a different way. So you didn't see the leadership. When you see more structure, the team, you won't be fighting within. I think when you get more of a good leader, you don't get a lot of fights within the team. You get fights. Uh, with other guys on the team, but once you get to get a lead on your team, and you know, like you know, everybody knew when they met me or this and that, it hurt stuff about me. But one thing you hear about me: when you my teammate, you my teammate. I mean, a lot of shit happened in life, but my thing is, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna go to the bank with my teammate, and let you, you asshole, I can't do nothing for you, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> I love that attitude. That, I love it. That, but but that's how it that's how it should be in life, right? If you and and yeah, and okay, uh, for me. I mean, I and and I, I've I've told some of our listeners the stories too about your leadership and and I know that 
when they draft guys, they draft the young guys, they look at how they treat people because that talks about their character, how they how they treat, um, you know, the, the person that picks them up from the airport, how they treat the ball boy, the guys oh, yeah. in the clubhouse. And I know you had really unique relationships with those people as well. Well, yes, I think, you know, I've been told in life a lot of times, a lot of people see me uh, when I went to coach for the Charlotte, uh, I want to do stuff. They said, why you walk around just like, it's no word in the world. You see, like, you treat everybody with respect. You do this. You try to help everybody. But but when you said, like, little thing, like, when people, like, pick people from the airport, do this and that, my college coach and my grandfather always told me, whenever anybody do something for you, my thing is big and tipping. No matter, I tell guys when I play on the team, when you go to certain, certain places, don't use a credit card. Make sure you tip 20 25%. You'll be, you know, you know, just so the people that you appreciate them, even the food good or bad. I'm one of the worst person when it comes to going out to eat. Sometimes my food never good, but I still tip thirty percent. It ain't the person bringing the food. It's just something stuff just don't happen. So I always try to tell guys how to go about life. You know, how to know how when you go out, don't wait, don't sit at the table with your hat on when you go to a restaurant. You know, you know, tip the lady who seats you to the table. I'm a, I'm a detailed guy. I mean, ask anybody I play. I play with a lot of guys. And ask all the guys about me. You know, I'm all, if a young guy goes out with me or whoever, I've always want to try to take the bill and show them how to do. Give them your credit card. Don't do it. You know, just try to be professional. You know, so I'm into like when the piece, the, the person the last time they see you, if it's out in the club or the restaurant or whatever, the mall, you know, walking down the street, you somebody blow the horn, wave your hand, you got to look up. But just do, just do what life is about. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking with Charles Oakley, Charles, as I'm sitting here listening to you, and, and listen, you, you tell me if I'm wrong, and I, I, I go back to, to, to covering you as a, as a broadcaster in town, and, and I don't have a, a, a personal relationship with you necessarily, but one thing that always stood out to me was everything you're talking about, the, the, the leadership, the professionalism, the, the attitude, the approach, you were always good with the media, but at the same time, there was this aura about you from whether it be other members of the media, whether it be fans, whether it be even players around the league, that maybe it was a misimpression where, like, man, because he's tough, because he, he, he walks with his chest puffed out, because he's, he's got an attitude on the floor, he might be an a-hole himself. He might be a guy that I'm scared of, I don't want to talk to, I don't want to be around, do I want him as a, as a teammate? And then suddenly you find out who you're all about and everybody realizes it's the exact opposite. Do you find that, or did you find that over the course of your time, that people were like either scared of you or kind of taken aback by you, and then they realize, damn, this guy is the type of person I actually want to be around and exudes the qualities that I want to be? No, I never gave no one that kind of expression. I was a, but um, I always try to give him a profession. I'm Charles Oakley. That's all matter. And, yeah. you know, you sit down and talk to me, you want my phone number. And I had the same phone number for 30-something years probably. But my thing is, Hey, I, I haven't heard nothing like that. Uh, you know, people say, and I, I don't think people are scared of me. It's just a point of, I just try to be a professional. I'm, I'm, you know, my door is always open. So, ask any of my teammates. Uh, they might have thought that once they meet me. Yeah, you could be right, but my thing is, I don't give them a chance to show them I'm A. I'm just like, if something's wrong, I'm going to try to fix it. You know, I don't try to run a red light because my name's Charles Oakley. You think I shouldn't get a ticket? No, that's not me. Uh, okay. Um, you know, I want to I want to kind of look at what's what's ahead for you. I know we had Frank Isola on uh, a little while back, and you guys have a book coming out. What 
I know it's a while still, but what can we look forward to in, the, in that book, uh, hearing, you know, some of the some of the stuff that we've talked to you about just recently? Same thing within this book, uh, coming up in Cleveland, going through things in life. How my grandfather, you know, just, you know, just studied him as a young kid. Uh, how my, you know, family, overall family, you know, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, friends, whoever. As a kid, you know, I went through a lot. I didn't, I didn't. You know, a lot of kids these days blame the parents, the mother, the dad, someone in the family. I'm not blaming no one because my thing is, you know, if you listen to grown-ups as you come up, uh, I think they're going to always try to tell you what's right, not what's wrong. A lot of kids don't like to listen. That's that's, that's the biggest problem. Though. Kids don't like to listen. But uh, I have not, no regret about nothing happening in life. You know, like I said, I've been through a lot. I never complain about stuff. Uh, I got jumped three or four times growing up. I didn't go back home. My brother, my, you know, I could have. I just say I failed on the bike. Or, you know, I failed playing ball or something. So I just built myself up as being a strong individual. But but being around a lot of people in my life, you know, I sit around and watch. Uh, that book, the book that Jonesy's speaking about that, that Charles is mentioning, uh-huh. The Last Enforcer, it's coming out uh, mm-hmm. in February. Uh, the Last Enforcer with Charles Oakley and, and, uh, and Frank Isola. Charles, a couple more minutes with you here. Um, all the no stories problem. you've told us to, to this point. You know, when you look at the league right now, whether it's a team, mm-hmm. whether it's a, an individual, who impresses you right now? Who 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 kind of makes you sit up in your seat when you're watching the NBA in today's game? Uh, I do more than turn it off and sit up. Um, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's just not good. It's just not no, not knocking them. It's just it's, I'm blocking. I'm knocking management this stuff because they grade these guys. They got scouts all over the world, this and that, and they still coming back with bad attention for picking guys. I mean, I know you got to pick somebody. You know, it's just like going to get a wild miller. You know, it's a hundred. You know, which one good, which one bad. If you know how to go out and you know shop, you should know which one's good, bad. So for picking talent now, it's a t- it's tough. I feel sorry for these teams and for these teams who are trying to get better. Yeah, you, you, you get in the top two or three picks, but the picks not not panning out. The picks not coming in with can't carry you know carry a team, put the teams on their back. Them days are over. We can get a superstar to come in and put a team on the back. So now you just got to be lucky. A guy can maybe get better the next two or three years on the team. But for us watching the game now, it's just I mean you know. The veteran is always going to shine because the guys who come in, they don't challenge. Ain't, ain't no more challenging no more. That's why guys can probably play till they're 20, 25 now. Uh, because the guys who coming in, they not, they not, the game don't, don't, the game don't match the name. They saying you're the top two or three pick, but you playing like a 34th round. Do that make sense? Yeah. 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 No, it yeah. does. It does, Charles. And I, I it to me, it it reminds me of the one of the lines you always use when you said. Uh, and and it, it's always stuck with me. Hey, you can come into this league as a young guy. That's okay, but yeah. we're this is this is we're playing for groceries here. This don't don't use it yeah. as an excuse and say you're young because if you're young and you yeah. don't think you can play, don't come in the league. Don't come in the league. But they come and they make the age. You know, and they making it so they can come. I don't know why they should be making you stay in school for three years. Not saying. You know, I know we don't know who needs the money, who don't need the money. But when you choose to say, "Yeah, I need to take care of my family," this and that, but take care of your game. Because you might take care of your family the first four or five years, and your game don't get no better. Your family might have to start taking care of you. <laughs> Charles, listen, we we, we could probably know, is, is this is this too much for the fans or what? I just try to hey, tell man. how I see it. You know, that's 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 the good it. thing, man. 
That's a good. It's one thing to get drafted. It's another thing to have a career. I hear you. Yeah, and, but my thing and, is, they make enough money now in four or five years. They can last, but it's just like I say. Just <laughs> don't say I came and took the money. My thing, I see what what's going to happen with this new generation with the next 10 or 20 years. They're going to play four or five years, six years, but the fans ain't going to remember because they didn't, they didn't see you did nothing to make them remember you or the game. See, fans right now, that's why they say, oh, the 90s was so good. The 2000s, because they remember what happened. Oh, it was so good. Let's play that play. I can watch ball. You know, some people be coming to me right now. We used to watch. We didn't go to church because we knew the game was coming on because they wanted to see it. Now it's just like it's you know people ain't really interested. Oh, we'll wait to the playoff, the second, third round. They're saying it ain't good talent. That's all they're saying. They ain't, they don't want to watch now. People always want to watch back in the days. All right, Oak. I was about to. I was about to let you go. I was about to let you go, but now I've got one more. Based on everything you're saying, I know you coached and you wanted to coach more. Do you still have that desire in you? Like, do you think you could or would want uh, to coach today's players or no? I, I think I'm about to stay away because they can't handle what I got to say. Uh, they don't want to. It's real. It's a sensitive situation right now. The players, they don't want to work on their game. The agents run the league. Uh, they, you know, they go with the coach's head. The coaches can't control the players. The coaches. You know, and I feel bad for the coaches because the coaches get, like I say, anything when you ain't winning in, in, in sports, the coaches are going to get fired. The players might get to play two or three more years and get financed. But my thing is, it's just like, it's just, it's, it's all about the show, showmanship now. You know, like if I was in New York last, I was playing in New York when they Golden State came in there. If I was a coach, I said, no, what? Curry might get the record, but he's not going to get a hit tonight. We're going to run them off every pick and roll. Every, we're going to run them off every three. We're going to switch it. Hey, if we have to go a box and one, we're going to make sure he don't break it in New York. But they was, cla- you know, it's, I'm glad he broke it. But my thing is, they honor him in New York like he played with New York. They was ready for the red carpet. I mean, that's embarrassing for the, the, the coaching staff, the management, the players. I mean, everybody want to take selfishness and that. I, I get that. But not tonight. We lose it. No, don't no come and parade in my house. I hear you. I hear you. Oh, mm-hmm. listen, we, we, we could, we could do a whole hour. We could do two hours. <laughs> when the book, I'm telling you, when the book come out, I got 53 from hell in this book. Maybe one of them ain't true, <laughs> but we can talk about it. All right, well, we're bringing you back on in February then, and we'll do a whole hour. <laughs> all right. No Oak, listen, happy holidays, you. man. All the best. All right. Thank you. All the Raptors fans, happy holidays. Thanks, Oak. There is the great Charles Oakley. And, uh, Tell again, it like the, it is, baby. Absolutely. Tell it I like it. it is. I love it. The Last Enforcer <laughs> is the book that we're speaking about. Outrageous stories from the life and times of one of the NBA's fiercest competitors. Uh, Charles, along with Frank Isola, the book coming out in February. And again, you can check out episodes of Chopping It Up with Oakley on Fox Soul TV. I think you can find it on YouTube as well. Charles Oakley. Um, listen. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones on the podcast because then you can send the link out to friends and family if they missed it. If they're not subscribed, you can tell them, hey, click on this and tune into Charles Oakley. Uh, we'll continue with more Smith & Jones when Matt Devlin joins us next right here on Smith & Jones on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Toronto Raptors getting set for the Golden State Warriors tomorrow and then a tilt on Monday against the Orlando Magic. A few games coming before Christmas, we, we assume, fingers crossed, as uh, things continue to kind of go sideways in the world, let alone in the world of sports. But uh, we'll try and keep it on the rails and hope that we still have games to talk about. Um, as we bring into the conversation right now, the television voice of the Toronto Raptors, 
And sorry, Matty, you gotta you, you gotta follow Charles Oakley, Matt Devlin. Matty, how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing great. The Oak should have just kept going. He could have been like a <laughs> two hour. I you know you always love listening to Oak talk, right? You always yeah. love it. And and Matty, I mean, you know that because you. Uh, you know, you you broke into the league, and and you were with the great Hubie Brown, and these these yeah. guys that, you know, have seen the game from grow from its infancy, and 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 watch the evolution. I, 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 my brother Mark, who works with Hubie, has told me there's there's nothing like sitting down with a guy like that, like Oak or Hubie or somebody that's you know, as we put it now, old school, and throw one topic or two words out. And 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 then just sit back and take it all in. <laughs> no question. It, you know, I'm always when as you're saying that, Jonesy. I go back to my days in Memphis and started in the league in 1999 and and moved to Memphis in one And Hubie replaced Sidney Lowe about 14 games in, and um, Jerry West made the hire, and he. Any chance that you could be around him and hear these stories, but I remember any sort of scuffle that would happen. No, you know he would be. Hey, 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 hey. That's not okay. Okay, okay. Hey, hey, hey. I'm telling you now, in the '70s, in the ABA. Okay, it happened every night. Okay, there was guys going after each other every night. Okay. It's just that they don't have video of it right now, you know? So, you know, it, it, and the best was, and, and, you know, you think about where technology has come, and I'll never forget, hey, hey, you want to know what changed the league? The fax machine, okay? Because, <laughs> because when you think about it from an advanced scouting standpoint, now all of a sudden you were drawing – Right, their set plays as an advanced scout, and now at the end of the game, you go back to the Marriott Hotel and you're faxing their play calls and how they're running it. They're being faxed now back to the New York Knicks, back to you know the teams that Hubie uh, coached for, and that obviously now, of course, you know it's you know it's an overload of information, right, and it's sifting through it, but. You know, instead of getting a phone call before the game uh, saying, okay, hey, what do they run? You know, what are their side out plays? What is this? What is that? Uh, now you had it written down. So that stuff is all great. And, and you know, uh, I think the three of us don't get bored of all those stories. But, uh, you know, who knows <laughs> with everybody else, if you love the game, you know, those are icons in the game. Absolutely, Matty. Uh, well, well said. Well said. I think what we need, though, at some point, we need, we need Jonesy. I, 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 you know, I've got some impressions, but I don't know if they, they translate as well in the basketball world. But we need Jonesy as Stan Van Gundy and Matt Devlin as Hubie Brown to conduct an interview where you never break character between the two of you, right? We can do. But, but here's the thing. You know, you know, Hubie. I do it so lovingly because he, uh, when I was in Memphis. He was not good to me. He was outstanding to me. And I say to people all the time, it's like getting an MBA in hoops because he said, Matt, my practices, shoot-arounds are open to you at all times. And so every practice, every shoot-around, I would go. 
and he, and and not only myself but other people. He'd invite people to practices, and they were like clinics. Uh, and he would, in the middle of a practice, turn around and he wanted to share the information. And it was something that you know he set out back in the '80s. Uh, the NBA, Hubie Brown, and other coaches started traveling the world, putting on coaches clinics. And yeah. he loved the, he loves the game so much. He wants to to share it with everyone, right? But hey, 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 hey. We got no offensive rebounds. Okay, we got no defensive rebounds. Okay, if you're not here. And you're not there. Where are you? Okay. <laughs> and I'm leaving. Oh, and man. I'm leaving out all the other you know things that would go with that. But you know, that was a classic timeout in the uh, New York Knicks huddle. Uh, the Knicks had zero rebounds, and so if you're not on the offensive glass and you're not on the defensive glass, where are you? So there you go, Matt. M- Matty. Um... First of all, I, I know a lot of people want to know how you're doing. Uh, you know, Eric and I have both had to uh, pick up your laundry and stand in for you a, cu- a couple of games here. So we, everybody wants to know when's when's Matt coming back? When when are you when are you <clears throat> when are you good to go? Um, and and how are you doing? That's that's first yeah. Well, problem. number one, thank you so much. And and I think you know it shouldn't be. Uh, you know, a surprise to anyone. Just the great depth of talent that. Uh, we have as game broadcasters with the Toronto Raptors and anybody that, you know, has the opportunity to, to listen around the league. I think um, when you think about yourself, Jonesy, who has been here since 95 and Eric, uh, you've been here since the early days as well. And you, you have 25 to 30 years experience and Amy Audibert and, you know, Alvin and, uh, Leo, it's just really a, a, a tremendous crew. And so, you know, thankful for that and being a part of that. And, uh, you know, we all have a lot. We have great friendships uh, between all of us and have, you know, a lot of fun doing our jobs. But I'm fine, um, as is, you know, Jack. You know, we, we've been talking on a daily basis. So, you know, fortunately, I've been negative and, uh, you know, hope to get back, uh, you know, soon enough, which would be uh, next week, this weekend, as you know, Jonesy, uh, you know, you and, and Leo will have the call and, um, you know, stay safe and healthy, everyone. And, uh, you know, I've, I've done the quarantining and the isolating before, uh, as have members of my family throughout the last uh, 20 plus months, as have a lot of people. Right. And you're yeah. you're doing the best that you can do during that time. And, um you know, get a chance to catch up on a lot of things that, as we know, uh, you know, around the house that, you know, uh, you know, just kind of as the season begins, they just kind of go to the wayside. So I'm um, just trying to take advantage of that and, and try to remain um, safe and healthy and everybody do their part. I, you know, I hope, um, you know, I, you know, this is obviously Omicron, as we know, is, is spreading extremely fast. And, um, you know, it's something that, um, you know, I know has impacted a lot of people. And, you know, that's, you know, um, you know, something that you think about it during these times, first and foremost, that's for sure. 
Hey, Matty, how do you think the league's going to handle this right now? I mean, we've already seen the, the province of Ontario and thus the Toronto Raptors, Maple Leafs, uh, you know, Maple Leafs Sports Entertainment in general, having to navigate with 50% capacity now for the game starting tomorrow uh, with the Golden State game and, and, and all of the other restrictions and, and whatever that will come. But, like, even as we're doing the show today, I, I see my phone going off with notifications, and normally it's for trade rumors or, or whatnot with Tim Bontemps and Sham Sharania and Adrian Wojnarowski, but they're all – Health and safety protocols, Golden State, Jordan Poole, out, health, health and safety protocols, Al Horford, Grant Williams, out, health and safety protocols, joining Jabari Parker. It's happening in the National Football League, it's running rampant, it's happening in the National Hockey League, with teams even being shut down for games right now, like the Flames through to Christmas. Do you think we get to a point where they're just going to hit this pause button for a couple of weeks or a month, or are they going to continue to just try and plow forward? Well, I, 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 honestly, I don't know, um, but, I, but I'll say this. It, it is uh, something that if the three of us were talking two weeks ago, I don't know that we would be here on this Friday in the same situation, right? It's changing minute by minute. If you go back to the New York Knicks being in town on Friday night, um, and then subsequently two days later, uh, members of the organization test uh, positive. Uh, then on Monday night, uh, the Sacramento Kings are in town, and we know, you know, it started with Alvin Gentry, who tested positive two days later. And we know that you need a um, negative to fly into Canada, and you know that you need a negative to fly out. Um, so, you know, this is something that all of a sudden, 48 hours later, um, and, and it comes on, right? And that's the thing about this. The more you read and do deep dives, it comes on you know, really in, in a hurry, right? So I don't know that anybody, and certainly uh, Paul Caulfield, who's, you know, Cole Caulfield's dad, you know, he flew into Montreal last night uh, to watch his son play, and in two hours before puck drop, uh, there were no fans in the stands. So to say uh, what will transpire, I think we all have been here before, unfortunately, and I think we kind of know what potentially is is headed our way. And I think that that's really the toughest thing because um, I think it's uh, when you start, we know, you know, certainly that there are so many levels to this and they're all extremely difficult um, because we talk about hospitalizations, uh, we talk about the healthcare system, we talk about people's lives, you talk about mental health, you know, physical health, uh, emotional health. I mean, all these, you know, different elements to this that, uh, you know, this affects. And, um, you know, that's the part of it that is uh, truly concerning, not only for today, uh, but for months and years to come. Yep. Well said, Matty. Well said. Um, Thanks, Matty. Listen, yeah. Glad, yeah. glad glad, you're doing well. Uh, look forward to having you back. Look forward to seeing you. And, uh, you know, have a, have a great weekend. All the best, Matty. You- you got it. Have a great call, guys, and uh, get Oak back on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to the pod, I'm gonna listen hey. to the pod so I can re-listen to all that. Yeah, good, <laughs> hey, good. All, all I know is our, our producer, Mark Boffo, deserves, like, that's like finding Waldo, getting a hold of Oakley and, and tracking him down and getting him on air. But, you know, it's, 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 it's worth it once you get it. So uh, big shout-out to producer Mark Boffo. Real quick. Hey, 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 hey. Oops, man. Okay? Okay? Listen to Ian Jonesy, okay? Okay? 
They know basketball, okay? Hoops. <laughs> Let's go. All Thanks, right. Yeah. <laughs> there is uh, Matt Devlin. Uh, TV voice of the Toronto Raptors and doing fine and back very soon. Uh, again, Smith and Jones, as he just mentioned, subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. Back with more in a moment.